Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Claret and Blue podcast. Uh, I'm Matt Kendrick and today I'm joined by, I suppose it's a, a new co-host or, or a guest or however we want to um, bill you. This is, this is Jamie Jamie Green, um, a big, big Villa fan. How are you, Jamie? Yeah, all good, thank you. Happy to be on the show. No, we're delighted to have you. We want to, we want to obviously, as we do on this podcast, um, talk about all things Aston Villa. Probably knowing me, inject a little bit of nonsense into proceedings as well along the way. But we wanted, before we start, we wanted to kind of tap into your expertise, really, Jamie, um, as a disabled football fan and what it was like your experience at Villa Park and at other stadiums. And just to kind of what we what we will do, we'll roll from that into talking about the big Villa Park expansion plans and that kind of thing. But yeah. just wanted to see if you could bring a little bit of your your insight to 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 what it's like attending football. Um, talk talk a little bit about about yourself and, and the condition that you've got and what it's like attending Villa Park and football. Yeah, so uh, I'm 28 and I've been a, a Villa fan for literally as long as I can remember. Um, so I'm a wheelchair user and I've got cerebral palsy. And I say the biggest thing in terms of being a disabled football fan, particularly at Villa, is trying to get in to the stadium in the first place and get tickets is is perhaps the biggest challenge um, to talk about uh, before we come on to anything else. Because... Um, Often, especially in the, the years when, should we say, Villa weren't quite so successful in recent times in the Championship, generally speaking, it was a lot easier for people to get tickets. But that was never the case um, as a disabled fan, because actually all of the, the wheelchair spaces are taken up really by season ticket holders. So every time, if you don't have a season ticket in order to get a game, you're effectively hoping that one of the existing season ticket holders can't get there. So getting a ticket in the first place is quite a challenge at any point. So I think that's that's one of the main, that's the first thing that comes to mind is that um, getting in there in the first place is, is a victory in itself, I would say. Can I ask something which probably might sound like a naive or stupid question? But in that case, we all know about the, I think it's a 25,000 strong waiting list for general season tickets at the moment. Yeah. How does it work in practical sense? Do you have to join? I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that, that all disabled fans necessarily are able to become senior ticket holders anyway because of yeah. other commitments, but do you have to join a different waiting list or how, how, how would you go about that that process of trying to get tickets? Yeah, as I understand it, you do have to join a separate a separate waiting list for wheelchair spaces, which I'm on. And I was looking at the actual stats as to how many wheelchair spaces there are because, I mean, recently they've, I think in February they've, They've reallocated some space in the ground, which means there might be seven more available now since February than there were. But there's still only 90 wheelchair spaces and 80 of them are for home fans and the rest are away. And that's like, if you work that out as a proportion of village capacity, that's 0.2% of the whole stadium capacity is available to you as a wheelchair user. So 
putting it like that, if you think 99.8% of the seats are kind of not not an option, that puts into perspective how how few tickets you're going after. So yes, there is there is a waiting list um, specifically for wheelchair spaces, but there's been talk for I think pretty much since 2016 um, about installing new ones. Then Villa got relegated, then it got put on hold, which meant to happen last year, I think, and then a few things technically went wrong. So I think things are in the works, but as of yet, um, the situation is the same as it is. So it, for the foreseeable future, it remains quite a challenge um, to get a hold of those seats. So with, with the exception of some of the, the very, very modern purpose-built built stadiums, is this a common theme across the rest of the Premier League and across the rest of the top divisions of English football? I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not expecting you to have all the facts and figures at your, at your fingertips, but it, does that tend to be the case that, that there is a, a too small an allocation? Yeah, I mean, I think in general terms, yes, I think so. I mean, again, there was a there was a report which is now a good seven or eight years old, but a lot of the findings still stand, which said there were only three Premier League teams, I think, who who had the recommended number of wheelchair spaces proportionate to their stadium capacity. So it's definitely not just Villa. But I think at that time Villa was in the bottom three um, for the for the kind of worst performing in that sense. So yeah, Villa, Villa are not alone by any means. Um, and I think another issue is viewing. So thinking about my away trips, the first one that comes to mind is Fulham, which is a look, Craven Cottage is great. Um, it's a lovely ground, but you're effectively as a wheelchair user, you're kind of on a concrete block uh, where you have to kind of peer over other people in order to get a decent yeah. view. And yeah, I think the viewing the viewing platforms, well, that's one thing that is really good about Villa. If you get a space, the view is very good. Um, but there are some other away grounds where yeah, you're struggling to <laughs> struggling to see the action, which depending on how Villa played could be a blessing. But <laughs> generally speaking, it is nice to be able to see what's going on. That's it. Some weeks you wish you could have a seat that comes with curtains, <laughs> don't you? But, um... Yeah, exactly. So in terms of accessibility to the stadium yeah. right now at Villa Park before the, the next expansion plan actually gets gets in motion. What's it like? Do you do you tend to travel to, to games uh, by car, by train? How, how does it work? Yeah, so the travel is an interesting one. So I'm, I'm based in Oxfordshire, so a fair a fair distance from Birmingham, but I'm looking at my older brother, who's, whose fault it is really that I'm a Villa fan, um, <laughs> is, is a season ticket holder. So I generally get the train to, to Birmingham International when he, he picks me up um in the car we drive drive to the ground um yeah i mean travel i think is a massive a massive issue um and often disabled fans don't have as many options in terms of public transport often for example getting on a bus um there's often only one or two wheelchair spaces so they often are reliant on fewer methods of transport i mean once you get in the ground it's actually not too bad but i think a more general issue i think which we'll probably talk about with the expansion is that a lot of people say that getting in and out of Villa Park is a bit of a nightmare. So I'm hoping that whatever plans they have with their expansion might at least go some way um, to addressing that as well. So currently, without wish to put too many words in your mouth, currently, I mean, you don't have to worry about this because you get your brother coming to collect you from Birmingham International. But what would, if, if, if I said to you, Villa play on Saturday and you need to get from Oxford to Witten Station or Aston Station and go from there, would that would that fill you with horror? Or? I've I've done it once when my brother couldn't come, and I persuaded one of my friends at uni to come with me, 
let me put it this way it's not an experience that i would like to repeat in the near future um i seem to remember i think villa had let in two late goals i think it was going to preston and it was two two draw or something and i had to rely on a very helpful to be fair preston fans who were kind of stopping my chair from being buffeted about on the the most packed train you can imagine and i remember thinking i'm doing this once but but I'm, I'm not too keen on doing it again. So yeah, I think if it wasn't for my brother and that that situation, I think getting getting there would be a unless you live really really locally within walking distance is a, is a challenge. I'm probably probably showing a bit of a bit of ignorance here uh, again, Jamie. But so am I right in thinking that the disabled viewing platforms at Villa Park do they still sit in the middle of the Trinity? Yeah, so they're in the middle of Trinity. Kind of to, well, actually, no. There are different ones. There's either one towards one end, and then there's the one that's that are nearer the whole end. Which, yeah. which, yeah. I mean, the view, and there's some also on the halfway line, which are, which are great. So, yeah. I would say the viewing platforms are really are really quite good. Um, most of them have seats, so the person with you can sit next to you, which is good. Some of them are yeah. seats behind, which I always think is a slightly odd thing because if you're going with someone, you don't want to be constantly kind of turning around to see their. So the helper would sit behind you. Yeah, which I don't. I, or, yeah, or in front. <laughs> Logging on a bus, isn't it? Yeah, which I don't really see. Like you don't go if you're going with your mates to a match. You don't tend to <laughs> deliberately get seats on like different roads for me because I don't know why that would be any neck. different. Any different for wheelchair users. I mean, you also technically only allowed to have one friend really because you only, you only get one yeah. seat next to you so i mean tough if you want to take a big group of you because you're only you're only taking one so uh, so I yeah but no. such problems finding <laughs> one friend would be hard enough but uh but yeah i mean if, to be fair the view is really good and i have to say that the, the people in charge of, of accessibility are, re- are really decent i think there's a there are there are a lot of good aspects i think it's just um it's just the infrastructure could do do a bit of updating, really. If you were, if, if it was um, Jamie's kind of five-point plan to revolutionise, you know, disabled supporter access at Villa Park and other stadiums, we've we've ticked off more tickets yep. available. I think we've put it. We've, we've ticked off actually put you next to your your friend rather than in front in front of your friend. Um, the transport, which we will touch yep. on in more detail. Um, is, I mean, I don't know. I suppose you, we can't give you too much luxury because otherwise you'd have to be in the in the posh corporate boxes. Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, I think the viewing screen help. I don't, I don't know. I think one of the things. I mean, the first thing to say is I can only really talk about it from my my own experience. Yeah. I'm I've got a physical disability, but obviously disabled is a very broad term. Very so there will be different term, people yeah. for like for hearing loops or or certain other like commentary features. I know Villa Park has got a couple of sensory rooms um which are relatively new in the last yeah. two or three years. So that's a really positive stuff. I think in a more in a more general um sense from my point of view, um booking tickets online is only something that you've been able to do quite recently. Um for a long time tickets went on sale to Claret members at like 5pm on a Friday and if you were disabled you had to kind of take your chances on a Monday morning to try and get tickets so you can now buy them online but that's a very long process and I think what you really want you don't as a disabled fan you don't really want any special treatment you just kind of want to have an equal experience to everyone else on the ground so that means being able to get tickets in the same way as everyone else not having to spend hours on the phone to try and sort out access being able to travel easily to and from the ground and just having that reassurance that when you go there nothing's going to go wrong because the first time I went after quite a few years when I moved down south I realized that my space my space had been double booked so there was someone else who thought that they were sitting 
in the same place. So I think just having that awareness from the ticket office staff that things need to work. And if you're booking a wheelchair space, you can't just move into another seat somewhere else in the ground. It really is important that, that you get what what you need. And in terms of away grounds, just having that maybe more information from Villa as to what to expect. I know they're not in control of it, but having having more of a standardised system because you get brilliant experiences where you have a great view, everything's fine, plenty of space, and you get others where yeah, you're sat on a concrete block and you're thinking, hmm, yeah, maybe this wasn't quite what I signed up to. So a little bit more of a standardised system, I think, would help would help give um, disabled fans a lot more confidence to to attend matches just like anyone else on a regular basis. So it's just knowing that you can attend the game safe in the knowledge that it's going to be as low maintenance an excursion as as possible. Um, yeah, because as a disabled person, you're often having to plan ahead lots. Doing things spontaneously is quite difficult because you're always yeah. in the back of your mind. You're always thinking, what obstacles am I going to face? So being able to just go to the football with your mates or with your family or with my brother like anyone else and just think, oh, I'm just going to enjoy the game or not, yeah. depending on the, on what happens. But but not having that, that thought in the back of your mind. And the more info that's available and the more awareness there is about it, the easier it is to just kind of relax and enjoy the game. What about the kind of areas outside the stadium? So if you're talking about, you know, the, the just literally the vicinity of Villa Park outside and what's it like in the presence of big crowds of football fans for, for, for a wheelchair user? Do, do you get treated with enough space and respect? Is it week by um, week? I'm just thinking, I think, thinking about away games specifically here, um, the concourse is absolutely packed. So one that, one that comes to mind is that I don't think often, to be fair to people, I don't think they're often awkward. It's very, very rare that I've come across fellow fans being deliberately awkward. It's just the fact is that as a wheelchair user, you are on a lower level than the vast majority of people who are stood up with their beers or like just crowded around. And trying to navigate a space through those crowded areas is a challenge at the best of times. I think in away games especially, because there just seems to be less less space for whatever reason. So I think almost, and I think you could say this a lot in the sense of accessibility, you need somebody who's a wheelchair user to almost walk through those steps yeah. and identify those pressure points where you think, hmm, could do with a bit more space here or could do with a particular route through because often you think until you get someone to actually walk through it, those concourses might seem okay if you're stood up and you're able to kind of squeeze through small gaps. Yeah. But if you've got a chunky motorised wheelchair yeah. and the horn that you usually use is no use because they're all chanting extremely loudly about Alan Hutton, then it's um, then then it doesn't quite work. I think, and I think it's important that a lot of people could find football matches quite intimate. Could be quite an intimidating yeah. atmosphere. So I think the sensory room is really great. I think that's a big step towards helping people but also just these little things like having specific paths through to avoid the chaos i think a bit of thought on that would be would be really helpful too it probably gives you an insight where my mind goes i think you should have a horn that plays the alan hutton theme tune <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> I I attention. yeah i haven't quite managed that yet but i think I'll, <laughs> I'll go back and work on that i think definitely speaking more generally obviously villa um, put out some of the, you know, gave us a little bit of a taster of, of, of some of the plans that they've got for, for Villa Park. I'm quite excited about it. I don't know about you. I, I think I'll, 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 I'll tell you what I think first. I actually, I'm actually so relieved that Villa Park can stay 
at Villa Park. Yeah. Um, and it, not only do we seem to have owners who want to expand the, the stadium so that it's a stadium befitting, hopefully, of big European nights and, you know, tournament football and, 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 and that kind of thing, but they seem to want to keep the tradition and not, you know, make it modern enough and make it accessible enough, but not lose some of the magic and some of the beauty of Villa Park. As we talked about, the the huge waiting, general waiting list for season tickets, it's got to be a good thing um, that we're expanding, that we're expanding the capacity. I think I think it's great. And I think, yeah, it's unthinkable that Villa could play anywhere but Villa Park. So the fact that they're, they're looking to work with what they've got and make it, yeah, make it a modern stadium for, for a team at least looking for European football. I think I think that's a really, really positive thing. What do you think it would take us? I mean, probably a, a couple of years till we see the, you know, the actual fruits of this project. But what do you think we would have to achieve as a football club? I know we've got this big, long waiting list. It's one thing putting your name on a waiting list. It's another committing your 500, 600, 700, 800 yeah. quid a year for your season ticket. To pack out a fifty thousand seater every week, do you what, what? What do you think we'd we'd have to achieve? Do you think we'd have to be kind of European contenders most years? Or I think so. I think I think it only you only need to kind of look back in the last few years when Villa haven't been playing well, then you really struggle to to sell out the ground. So I think I think fifty thousand is about right. I think it it's a bit more, but it's not. I think if we get sixty thousand, you start thinking, yeah, how many teams, no matter how well supported, how many manage to bring in that many on a weekly basis. So I think I think yeah, European football definitely, or at least challenging for it on a regular basis is is what they need to do. Um and I think if they do that, I mean look the signings they made the last couple of years and then this year Diego Carlos, Camaro, that that suggests that they're they're building to that level. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes. But the signs are certainly good so far. And how many how many disabled spaces do you think there should be in a in a fifty thousand capacity? How many? I mean, it's hard to put a number on. I did actually look. I did a search on in all of these on all of their material whether they mentioned they were like disabled or wheelchair. The thing they have promised an uplift in disabled seating. Now that's suitably vague. So I think. <laughs> I think what it means is is they'd like to increase the number of of uh, wheelchair spaces without actually putting a specific number on it. I mean, I think it needs to increase. To be honest, I think at least double. Uh, it wouldn't be an exaggeration to say they probably need double the amount yeah. that they've currently got because they've only got, as it stands, about like forty percent of the of the recommended spaces for a for a stadium of Villa Park size. So there's still a long way to go, basically. But I'm glad it's in the plans. Um, I know that more wheelchair spaces are in the in the plants anyway, so it's it's good to see it there. But as this has been talked about for a few years, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, and if I see it, I'll be really really pleased because it will mean lots of um, fans who might not otherwise have been able to get the chance to go watch Villa will be able to go and, and support the team just like anyone else. No, I think you're right, and it, it is it is suitably vague. I, I know that that Villa are hoping to kind of open a consultation process and, and get people involved. So I'm not trying to create extra work for you, Jamie, because I know you're a, you know, you're a busy man with your fingers in various pies anyway, but I think it, it, it's really important as part of that consultation that the kind of disabled voice is heard, really. Can I ask you a question? And this might be loaded because I've got my own thoughts on it. What's your opinion of the North Stand as it currently is? I mean, I've, the first thing I should probably say is I'm very rarely sat there i think i last sat there when i was probably about eight or nine at one of my yeah. first villa matches so i'm probably not i'm probably not got like an in-depth knowledge i'm not a massive i'm not a massive fan i mean 
I'm not, but I don't have. Strong, I can honestly say I haven't got massively strong opinions on it. But I think if they're going to redo any part of the ground, yeah, I think that's probably a good one. It's probably a good one to pick. Yeah, put it that way. I think. I agree. I mean, like I said, I'm probably leading you a little bit. I, I don't like it from certainly externally. I think I, I've always said it reminds me of a kind of 1970s council multi-story car park <laughs> rather than rather than a stand befitting the great Aston Villa. And when you see the um, the approach to the ground and you see, you know, you, you see the Trinity and you see obviously the whole end and, and how, how beautiful that looks. I always feel like the North Stand is the poor relation. So I think it's ripe for a renovation, to be honest. Yeah, I, th- I think Villa's overdue for, for for a bit of a revamp. I think it's definitely something, because I know there's lots of talk about Villa at the moment, like they're getting a new crest and all that kind of thing. But I think really long term, the stadium is the big thing that's going to really help Villa to, to kind of progress. And it's it's great that they're, they're buying all these players and you can see there's a definite change in getting players who are going to perform pretty much now. We're not getting promising players for the future. We're getting people people now. And I think... But that can only take you so far. I think improving the infrastructure, improving the stadium, improving the travel routes around, I think all of that will really help Villa to get, get to another level from where they are now, fingers crossed. No, I agree. And I think one of the things that excites me about the plan as well, and this might be, I'm a typical boring history boy, Aston Villa fan who's stuck in the past and banging on about glories that few of us were, were old enough to remember. But this talk about a museum being incorporated into that North Stand redesign, I think. And, you know, I've banged on, probably moaned at Villa a lot of times about, especially in the, the last couple of months, about the lack of a statue for Ron Saunders and the lack of any kind of lasting recognition, you know, that any visitor to Villa Park can see in yeah. terms of the 82 European, European Cup winners and stuff. I think a museum that celebrates okay a lot of it's going to be in black and white a lot of it's <laughs> going to be black and white or sepia tinted it's going to be creaking some of the artifacts from from some of our past glories but i think if we can get a stadium that that showcases that as well that we, probably goes back to what i was saying about the keeping that nod to nod to the tra- traditional yeah absolutely i think i think it's it's easy to forget given at least by the last couple of years, given the difficulties that they have had, what a rich history they have, one of the founding members of the Football League, all that kind of thing. And I think there's so much to celebrate about that. And it's really, I think it's really important that, that new generations of fans are able to see it and find out about it if they don't already. And I think my impression at least is that, that the owners really get that sense about Villa, that it, that it does have that tradition. And that yes, they're planning for the future. And yes, we want to make Villa as big and successful as possible. But all the while keeping in mind, yeah, that sense of tradition. And yeah, the museum, I think, was, is a really, really good idea that I think will prove, hopefully, prove really popular. Can I ask you as well about, I think it's an area that they, they're called Villa Live, I think, which yeah. is effectively, from what I see uh, from skimming the plans, is like some kind of box park area yeah. where fans can socialise, I think, before the game, potentially after the game. I think yeah. I read somewhere that it could potentially be open away matches and fans could congregate yeah. there. Uh, I don't know how that how that fits in with a three pm blackout. Whether that that still lasts, uh, can't imagine Villa doing it on a dodgy stream. Yeah. Um, what do you think of that as a as a proposal? That that kind of area, I think it's good. I think uh, my impression is that the more reasons you can keep people at the ground and make it somewhere where they can have it almost a day out, you know, rather than just feeling like all right, I can watch football and there's not much to keep me there. I think that's got to be a good thing. And, and I would also guess that it will help in terms of 
transport and travel if not everyone is running out at the same time then you've got a reason to keep some people in so it might actually make the flow of people out of villa park a bit easier because you're giving those people a way to hang around and actually what would you rather do would you rather spend half an hour or 45 minutes sitting in a car um or you could spend that time in one of those entertainment places and just wait until things clear so i think i think that would be a really good way and that's something villa can control themselves as well i think that would be a really good way of making making the whole kind of football experience a a more entertaining and hopefully a more pleasant one as well i think that's the key benefit that you've just nailed there for me in terms of dispersing the crowd at different intervals rather than forty thousand or fifty thousand all leaving at once i don't know i don't know whether we have many three o'clock kickoffs now but if you if you can Keep fans behind after that, that, and they can watch whatever the five thirty kickoff is in the Premier League on a big screen, or you're doing highlights or post match interviews with the players that you're showing on a screen in there. I actually think I don't wish to be too cynical about it. I think you've got more chance of making a facility work like that on match days. I'm still a little bit dubious over whether Villa Park can be this venue. You know, I think I think they said that nineteen. We want Villa Park to be a venue more than nineteen Premier League games um, a year, which is fine. It probably won't be too yeah. many FA Cup games because we get knocked out by Manchester United. No, no, in the no. Third round. <laughs> but I think I think the thing for me is how do you make Villa? I'm not expecting you to have the, the solution to this, but how do you make Villa Park in the area of Birmingham that it's in? How do you make that an attractive place to be on those non? 19 days. I think they tried it with a Holt pub in the past, which I think yeah. used to be open quite regularly and then started kind of being less and less. There used to be, a, I can't remember what the, um, there's a there's a restaurant that they, that they opened up uh, in one of the hospitality lounges that was a really nice restaurant, but that that didn't stand the test of time. Yeah. So it's that's a, that's a real challenge, isn't it, to make Villa Park an all-year-round venue? It is tricky, and I think particularly with football it's tricky because people have quite strong attachments to particular clubs and like how are you going to make for example Birmingham Wolves West Brom fans want to come to like a kind of conference at Villa or how do you make that into a into an area where fans of other clubs will want to kind of spend time there in a non-Villa related way because it sounds silly but if you're only limiting your potential audience to other Villa fans then you're missing out on the vast majority of people so it's getting a getting away from that kind of procure tribal nature of football and trying to reposition it as yeah. as a place for everyone. I think, I mean, I think it sounds obvious, but the fact that Birmingham is geographically very central is a good thing. Yeah. And I think it gives a, they've got a wide potential area for kind of attracting people to, to spend time at Villa, even if you think away from the football. But yeah, I think, I think that's something which needs a lot of thought to make it, yes, it's great that it's the home of Villa, but making it attractive for lots of different people, whether they're football fans who support other clubs or whether they're they're just looking for a decent venue. Yeah, I wonder if... I mean, I know Villa, Villa have good conference facilities anyway. I wonder if... Um, I know until recently the Foo Fighters were, were due, to, yeah. due to due to play there. Um, I wonder if it just becomes that, becomes more of a kind of gig venue as well. Um, but yeah, they, 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 these are these are issues that can trouble, trouble different minds other than ours. I wanted to have a quick chat with you, um, Jamie, just about probably your optimism and your your expectations for the season on the pitch. I think you've touched upon the fact that Villa seems to be very much in a recruitment phase that is all about the here and now rather than what might happen in three or four years. Does that excite you? Do you think, you, do you think it invites a lot of pressure on the club? Or Yeah, it's, it's tricky. I think 
I think they made some really good signings. I think I think as you said, it's definitely a change in emphasis from from especially from when Villa were first up in the Premier League a couple of years ago. It's very much signing players who had the potential to rise in value and then and then sell them on, or at least they they do well at Villa. I think it's very much a more short term vision. But I think Villa need that. I think other clubs are strengthening as well. Other clubs are improving their squad. So so Villa have got to have got to keep up with that. And I think. Um, Diego Carlos, for example, Esri Conte is injured for he probably won't make the start of the season, so they needed somebody there. Defensive midfield has been one of those areas that, as well as Nakam has done when he's been fit for ages, we've been saying we need that's the kind of player that's missing the missing piece, really. So, I'm really excited to see what, what difference that makes. My only slight concern is that they haven't got a particularly challenging start to this season but then you can see the newly pr- awaited and newly promoted team on the opening day I mean that didn't go very well last year so no, we've, we've tried that already it didn't go very well at, at Bournemouth six years ago either did it <laughs> so I think, it, did, I think it did that day but that was as no, good as it that was as good as it got so <laughs> my only slight concern is that if they don't start really well then the pressure builds the more tricky fixtures come because I think it's fair to say I very much support Stephen Gerrard, but I don't think it will take that many poor results for people to to just think, mm, are we in the right direction here? Because yes, the signings are great, but that also brings with it a certain amount of pressure to perform. So if they start well, then then that's great. But if they if they start slowly, then then pressure will build. My instinct is they'll be okay. I think I think they'll they'll start the season a better team than they ended last season. Um, so I think that, that's got to be a good thing, really. Let's say Villa's highest position in the Premier League since we've returned um, from the Championship. That would be a good barometer for success, or, or, or do you think it's European football or nothing this year? Or I would be. I mean, I think so. Villa are 11, eleven. They got eleven. Top ten would be great. I think top eight is the aim. I think top eight would be a would be a very very good season. I've seen some people talk top six, but then that. That requires you knocking one of the existing top six out, yeah. and and then we're, we're don't forgetting Newcastle that that have also that are going to be challenging in a way they haven't before. We've all there's Leicester, there's West Ham, it's all those teams that are often up there. So I think top eight would be ideal. Top ten is probably the most the most realistic. I know people want to build and people want to want to do better than that, but I think that would at least signify some progress. I think if Villa spend too long in the bottom half, I think people might start getting a bit a bit restless, but I think we'll aim for top eight and figure out top ten, I think I'd be I'd be pretty pleased. I think I'd settle. I think I'd settle with top eight. Um I do want those European nights back though. You know, it's I've got a little bit jealous even the likes of, of Leicester and West Ham, which probably competing in the lesser European competitions. It's still European football, isn't it? Um so what I was going to ask you, and I won't keep you much longer because I uh, I know like I, said, I know that you're a very, very busy man. Just talk me Talk me through briefly, kind of how 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 you became Villa, because you said it's all your brother's fault. Yeah, so um, so he kind of he was attracted by Villa being kind of decent in the, in the like early nineties, and then then they were they won the, the League Cup ninety four ninety six. Obviously, that's the last major trophy they won, and that was two years old, so I have no recollection of that sadly. <laughs> so pretty much ever since then, um, and. Um, I I grew up in in North Yorkshire. Needless to say, there weren't many uh, Aston Villa fans in North Yorkshire. So, I mean, it acts as a good conversation starter, but mostly people just kind of feel pity for you. Um, So, although recently the the tide has changed a bit. So, yeah, um, I was very much, um, I inherited it from my brother. Every photo pretty much you see of me as a a young kid, I've got one of the various 
villa tops on you can pretty much date when the photo was judging by <laughs> judging by the villa kit um that i was wearing i think one of my strong early memories is when villa were on like the bbc from kind of they hardly ever were but it was one of those classic fa cup third round ties against man united it was the one where they went two nil up um, I think I was. It was a Sunday. I seem to remember it was a Sunday night, and I must have been about seven or eight. And it was um, involved Rude, Rude Van Nistelrooy. Yeah, exactly that game. And, <laughs> and my mum and dad were like, "Oh, you can stay up to watch it. It's fine. You can stay up." And I just remember two 0 up, disastrous own goal for United. You think, "Yeah, this is this is it. This is going to happen." And then, yeah, then it all turns to dust. I just remember not wanting to go to school the next morning, thinking, "Oh no!" Every it was it was bad enough when they were losing, but at least not many people saw it. But obviously, BBC TV Sunday night there was there was no escaping. But no, so ever since then, really, I've uh, I've I've followed Villa, and to be fair, in the last couple of years, it's been a much more much more pleasant experience. I think being being down in the Championship really makes you uh, appreciate where they are now and I think it's easy to think oh if we don't if we don't get European football oh, it's going to be a going to be a disaster but considering where they were three or four years ago I think they've, they've come so far so it's uh yeah I'm not quite used to the idea of success as a Villa fan um so I think that's maybe why I'm being slightly uh slightly conservative in my in my predictions but I'm certainly excited to, to see what the next season is going to bring Right, certainly, certainly character building, and you're you're also right that the kind of setbacks and stuff, you know, it, it makes it makes the better times sweeter. Although you are, I'm, I'm obviously older than you, and I was probably similar to your brother, I should imagine, and around to see the the the, the couple of uh, league cup wins. Um, but yeah, so we just just hope hope that we're on the right path now, and that we get a few more few more of those glimmers to make it worthwhile. We we try and get you on a train all the way from Oxford to Witten one day into plentiful supply of seats at Villa Park for big European nights, for big cup semi-finals. Um, and you might sit in, you know, two or three of your mates are sitting next to you. Sounds quite utopian, this does, doesn't it? I know, it's, it's, it's good to dream, though, isn't it? It's good to dream. But no, no, it should, fingers crossed that, that that scenario isn't isn't too far away. No, listen, Jamie, you've been a, you've been a brilliant guest. Thank you so much for... Um, for joining us. I hope uh, hope our listeners and, and viewers have enjoyed that. And until next time, up the villa. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.